Hello and welcome to the Soccer Coach Weekly Podcast. I'm Seth Fairbairn. Thank you for joining us as we get insights and ideas from coaches working across the game to help you develop into the coach you want to be. In this episode, we speak to Wayne Cleverly, a coach developer for Canada Soccer and Alberta Soccer and coach of the Canada Men's National Futsal Team. A former semi-pro footballer in England, Wayne also runs his own coaching academy through which he consults for clubs and was formerly foundation phase manager at Calgary Foothills Soccer Club. I caught up with him to talk about how the football culture differs between Canada and the UK, using constraints in sessions, and how coaches can continue to progress. Thanks for joining us, Wayne. Um, can you tell us a bit about you, your career in football today, and your current roles? Yeah, uh, so my name is Wayne Cleverly. Um, I'm currently living in Calgary um, in Canada, so a nice place to live in the Rockies. I uh, grew up in Swindon in the UK, in the Southwest, um, played in the academy system there from when I was very young, around 11, 12, up till I was uh, sort of 18, 19. Then I played semi-professional just for local clubs there. Uh, and then I got the opportunity to come and coach in Canada when I was um, 20, 26. So I moved over to Canada. Um, it was very far behind and it is still behind in some respects um, in terms of coach and player development at the moment continued my coaching journey and and uh, coaching licenses um, and now um, I'm a coach uh, educator or coach developer with uh, Canada soccer so the national uh, program um, I'm a coach developer with my like provincial uh, program I'm one of the coaches for the men's national futsal team here. Um, and I have my own um, coaching academy where I sort of consult for other clubs, whether that's on field or in terms of a coach development perspective. So you've played in the UK, you're working in Canada. How does the culture around football differ between the two countries? Uh, quite a lot. I mean, climate is one thing. Um, so as an example, we still talk about a street culture that is maybe going away a little bit you know in the UK now because of gaming or other things but when I certainly grew up playing in the streets over the park after school and living here in Canada it's like minus 30 in the winter and snow and you kids don't have that freedom and experience um, the propaganda that you get on TV and social media so as an example like Sky Sports News is always on you know transfer deadline day and you know, Champions League games and here in Canada, there's not the exposure for that, that, you know, coaches, parents, kids can watch all the time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, kids still love the game here as much as they do in England. But in terms of a culture, it's quite different in some respects. Um, yeah. And, and experiences that kids are exposed to is quite it's quite different. And I know you've spent time building programs and philosophies, and, and this is a big question, but how do you go about doing that? Um, I guess that I, I used to work off a framework of just two things is organization. So from a, from a parent perspective where you're just joining a, a club, a, um, a team that is very organized. So, you know, parents understand what the program is about, the logistics, the scheduling, um, the support that they get, and then fun, making sure the program's as fun as it can be. And, and that might be on the grass with 
sessions you deliver. It might be community engagement that you have in the community. So you're doing other sort of soccer um, type of activities in, in the community. Um, and I just used to work off of that framework and, and understanding what grassroots soccer is, is the big one. Um, the kids are new to sport, let alone the game of football. They're new to sport, some of them. Uh, some kids may never have been in a team yet. They might have been in a big class at school, but they've never been in a team. And, and what does team mean to them? Um, because growing up, their life is very egocentric and everything was about them. And now, you know, it might be a little bit more about sharing and, and collaboration and connecting with other children in, a, in an environment where it's a sport. Um, and just doing, doing simple things that kids need at that age and, and making it relatable and fun to their learning. Um, that's, that's what I did. And, um, and having a real um, understanding of what they can do, what they can't do and what they need to do um, at this moment in time. And it varies through ages and stages and, and development and, um, you know, all of that that comes from it. Um, but it, it's a really tough task, grassroots. And if you get it right, you really see the fruits of your labours over the course of many, many years. And if you get it wrong, then you could turn the kids off experiences off of the game. So it's a, it's a fine, it's a fine balance. Um, and having that skill set is, is quite unique with people. And when it comes to philosophy, how, how important is it to get everyone on the same page? I'm thinking players, coaches and parents. Yeah, it, it is. And soccer is such a complex game, but in the grassroots ages, we've got to make it as simple as we can um, and, and give people big bite-sized chunks of of informational knowledge that's going to support them in terms of delivering programs or running sessions or on game day um and not just not force feed um people um the human connection with children at young ages and stages is obviously vital and it's the biggest tool and i certainly like phrase it to coaches or coach developers that they need to understand what play is and I think as you as you turn into an adult and you become a little bit more wiser with with life and everything I think a lot of people sometimes forget what play is and and what and what we used to enjoy as kids um, and play doesn't change play is still the same we used to enjoy playing you know world cup at school or heads and volleys and kids still enjoy it now um, and sometimes we can everything is very analytical and methodical now with everything and sometimes that just needs to be pushed to one side and just play just have fun and uh, and I certainly look at it from the lens of what did I enjoy as a kid and what would kids enjoy now um, there's certain games where they they wouldn't enjoy what I used to do but you know there's there's a there's a lot of them that they do and it's still applicable to today so really just reflecting on what play is and what it means and I'm, I'm not sure what, if it's the same in Canada, but in the UK, there are so many people that coach on the side of their day job. They don't have a lot of time to plan. They kind of go week to week based on when they can fit it in. For you, do you think it's important to plan ahead in, in terms of blocks of, of training or is a week to week approach best? Um, I'm not a huge fan, if I'm honest, of having a syllabus or curriculum at grassroots and the reason being is people you can jump from one thing to the other so it might be week one we're doing dribbling week two we're doing turning week three we're doing 
shooting well all in the session design if you can incorporate dribbling shooting changing direction ball protection um you, you tick those boxes every week um i always work off the principle of teaching just some core things so one would obviously be physical literacy the motor skills and allowing kids to experiment and explore with their body in different environments through different experiences um dribbling as much as we can um at all times ball contacts uh changing direction uh, with the ball you know we get those little packs of kids that follow the ball around uh, and the majority of the time the best kid that has the ball the most often will change direction and cut with the ball very well uh and scoring goals, like kids love to score goals. So in every session, make sure there's a goal. Um, so I, I always, when I when I plan a session or think about it, rather than, you know, having blocks or a, a curriculum week by week, um, just, okay, what is what is play? What is the game and, and what are we trying to achieve from it? How many ball touches? How many opportunities are there to score for kids? Are they doing the right thing? Um, are they waiting too long at their lines. So um, obviously there should be an outcome with we want to develop good technical players that really enjoy soccer. But again, it's that building stage. Um, but yeah, it, it's just layering the process and, and you can really highlight a lot of those things if your session design is, is done correctly and what the kids need uh, and also what the kids want. You know, I, I don't think we ask grassroots players enough of what they want to do. We always give them what we think they need, um, but ultimately it's their learning and learning is more fun um, and you learn better when it's fun. So um, again, how, how having that open dialogue at times with children is great. Um, you know, playing a game where you think it's brilliant and there's cones everywhere and it looks fantastic. And then you say to the kids, oh, did you enjoy the game? And they say, no, it wasn't very good. So um yeah, there's lots of uh, little, little little things I go by, but I I'm not a big um big believer in having a curriculum or working in blocks with very young players. Um, obviously, at some pro academies, the kids have you know good technical proficiency and good technical competency. That they're, they're quite have a good high level of that. So yeah, they can work in different things. But if you're you know just a local grassroots coach um you're trying to trying to build everything um but it takes time and you've got to expose kids to many different experiences and when you talk about those individual sessions how do you set them up so in the uk if you follow the fa model we've got an arrival activity a warm-up something more technical a game at the end do you tend to follow a similar format yeah we have a, a similar thing here that's brought in by the um by Canada Soccer, it's um, game activity game or GAG as we call it here, or global analytical global as it's called in some other places. But yeah, as soon as the kids turn up, they get a game. And it doesn't necessarily need to be a 4v4 game. A game is many things. It could be like a street type of game. It could be a physical game, um, but sort of relating it again to what, what we're looking to get across. Then an activity, which is, you know, 20 30 45 minutes long where at possible when possible it's ball each um as much as we can and then just a game at the end but everything is 2v2 3v3 4v4 nothing, nothing bigger very small pitches um 
lots of goals. It might be multiple goal games or single goal games. But um, yeah, we, we certainly work off of that, that basis um, here. And I know some coaches, myself included, fall into the trap of thinking they need to do something new and amazing every single session. How much as a coach do you think you can repeat things they've already done if they work? Yeah, loads. Um, I, I've ran the same game for like six weeks running. Um, again, if the kids enjoy it, and this is the key thing of asking them if they enjoy it, um, if there's lots of learning returns in it. So again, lots of ball contacts, lots of dribbling, lots of goal scoring. Then why change it? It's it's working. The kids are coming back for it. They're really enjoying it. There's um, everything that they need within it. There, there's little tweaks you can make like, numbers up numbers down or adding a goal in um adding in some constraints or adjusting the area size but yeah if they if they enjoy it then keep going at it and sort of links back to your last question is why change it based on a block or a week you're supposed to be aiming towards well again if there's lots of learning opportunities in that uh, and the kids are enjoying it and it's fun and it looks like play then then just keep going with it everyone has their favorite activities or sessions that they do uh, especially the grassroots coaches because um, many of them just try to survive an hour on field they're there and they just want to survive um, and get through it um, uh, and what are the things they can hang their hat on that really works and they're confident to do um, is also a key element to that. You've mentioned constraints there and constraints is quite a hot topic there are there are a lot of coaches that like to use constraints there are coaches that believe they take away choices and and freedom from players how do you think we can use constraints well in our coaching yeah you have to be careful with it um the more constraints you use and the harder the constraints children will just revert back to what they do anyway so you're not actually gaining a learning objective from it um you have to be careful with locking kids into zones and things like that. Kid, kids want to run run wild and they want to explore and they want to touch the ball as much as they can. So, again, you have to really understand what a constraint means and what you're trying to find out from the constraint. Um, so, yeah, again, it depends on the ages and stage. I mean, very young sort of grassroots players, four, fives and sixes, you wouldn't put a lot of constraints in there, but maybe seven, eights, nines, tens, you might. Um, but again, it's got to be quite simplistic, but not, you know, too difficult where they can't achieve it. Um, and it might be traveling through zones with a ball, um, might be receiving the ball in certain ways or changing the, the session, the pitch size, whatever it might be. So you have to be careful with it um, because, like I said, sometimes they can just go into autopilot mode and, and you're not actually achieving what you're doing from adding the constraints if it's too hard or it's unrealistic to them okay so I'm going to ask a few questions about your role as a coach developer what kind of things do you tend to support coaches with the most what are some of the common challenges you see occurring among coaches um session design is, is always one um that sometimes people struggle with uh, and by that I mean it, it could be the flow of it it could be the outcome it could be learning it to linking it to moments of the games or principles of play. Um, I think coach development's evolved a lot. It used to be very linear. This is what you need to do. And, and, and sometimes coaches go on a course 
and they try and coach the course. They don't try to coach the player. So they're just trying to coach everything that was on the course because they believe that was the right way. And certainly some things we try to do at Canada soccer and provincial level with delivering courses, is just to try to make people think it's, it's not telling them how to coach. It's just try to just try to coach them how to think a little bit and just broaden their horizons. Um, I think bravery is a big one um, that the, there's a paradigm shift in that with how brave coaches are now in terms of what they're delivering. Um, but ultimately you have to justify to players, to other coaches and to parents why you're doing certain things. Um, but yeah, it, it's become more of a, a pass or fail process now to more of a competency. Are, are you competent? Do you understand the competencies um, of the course or a module uh, or a session that we've delivered um, and it's not just copy and paste so yeah re just really supporting coaches with session planning reflection um, is a big piece that certainly bring brought into a lot helping them uh, have understand how to reflect um, but there's such a diverse and broad um, broad modules and tasks that are given on coaching courses now um, some are more confident in others and it, it's just the relationships of, of chatting to coaches as much as you can and, and understanding what they need support in um, what they need help with so you know the the analogy collect confirm and consider so what information are they collecting what what do they want what information are you confirming with them that they already know and they're confident with um, so those types of analogies, um, working with coaches in that sort of sense. So what is it that you think sets out a coach as a really good coach? Uh, human connection, human behaviours um, with people is obviously key and, and you hear it a lot. Um, and some of the top coaches, Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp, you can just see the character and the passion that they have is so key. And you can have as much information and knowledge and you know iq iq level but if you don't have that human connection with people and they don't buy into the empathy the honesty and the trust and yeah what this coach is telling me is really going to help me then you lose them um so yeah co coaches having a good understanding of the child the person who they're working with um and again humans are so different and so diverse and having the skill set to understand the character's personality what they need why they play is so so important and then finding that those um little nuggets of information that are important to that specific human is is key um but yeah sometimes coaches can get caught in a trap of i'm, I'm coaching a team um it is a team sport, but you're coaching individuals to, to work in a system in a team. Um, and again, it, it's very easy to sit here and say that, but I think the best coaches understand that, that they're working with humans and you're not working with players. The humans are just players in a, in a game, but you're actually working with humans. And do you think it's important for coaches to watch other coaches coach talk to other coaches and network to learn more about coaching and, and improve their coaching oh 100 100 percent everyone's gone onto youtube and watched pep guardiola's sessions and tried to copy it and emulate it um 
And I think they'd be liars if they didn't. You see a lot of good sessions on social media. And coaches are so um, given such um, accessibility to coaches and listening to others, which is um, which is great now. But it's so important. Um, but you can't be a copy and paste coach. You can copy a session, but how you deliver it is totally different to myself and you know, how Pep Guardiola delivers it is totally different to how I'm dealing with it. So the session design is there, but again, it's the understanding of the players now, but watching people, listening. And I think even looking at outside, um, outside learning is key as well. I think sometimes coaches can get caught in, I'm, I'm just going to learn from a soccer perspective and actually look outside of other sports. Like my my son does um, judo, um, taekwondo, sorry. And I watch his um, master or teacher, as he's called, and the way how they enforce respect and discipline. And then they have some fun with kids. It, it's really intriguing to me. And I think if you're going to watch and listen and learn, also um, be adaptable to watch and learn other people. It might be teachers, um, it might be facilitators that work with companies or businesses. It might be other sports um, and then picking up that because ultimately it's how you teach somebody is, is the gold dust in it um, because laying down the cones is just the framework. It's how do you make someone learn something? And there's some really talented, like I said, teachers, business leaders, um, Taekwondo masters that you can watch. So as broaden your horizons i think with watching other people and not just i'm going to watch this football coach i'm going to watch that football coach and you know be 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 adaptable in your learning as well and we all know and i'm sure you know with with multiple jobs that football can be so absorbing and there's so many coaches that will coach training or a match then go home and think about it you know you said earlier a, a kid might tell you they didn't enjoy your session and then that might play on your mind you might be thinking about how you know how to correct that do you have anything to say to coaches about trying to help them to you know let go of football for a bit and 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 step back from it yeah yeah i actually heard one the other day it's called it was called 10 10 10 so 10 minutes just a little hot reflection just reflect briefly it might be a notepad it might be with your team then 10 hours later maybe think about it again uh, and then 10 days later, if you have have the session again or you're building towards a game and, and changing it like that, which I thought was pretty, pretty unique and pretty cool. But it's hard. It, Soccer is such a passionate game and we love it so much. You can never switch off. You're always thinking about it. If you have a great session, you feel good and you're buzzing in the car. And if you have a bad session, you know about it and you're you're annoyed because you feel like you've let down, you know, your team or your players. Um but yeah, it's so difficult to switch off. Um, yeah, it's a really tough one. Even if you take the dog for a walk, you're still thinking about soccer. And, uh, and, and that's one of the differences, again, between the UK and where I am. You know, you turn the TV on and then there's a game on and it's just always ingrained in you. Um, where here we don't have that. But I, I certainly think about it a lot. And um, yeah, some of the best coaches do. But you also have to switch off and you also have to refill the cup at times and, and really take a step back and, and think about the process um, and what you're trying to achieve. You talk about long-term player development and it is a long-term, but because of society and um, how the world is, everything's instant now. 
Like you, you can get on the internet in two seconds. You can buy something, come off Amazon in five minutes, everything's so instant. And we, we feel like we want everything instant and instant success. But unfortunately it takes weeks, years, months to get there. And again, it's, it, you, you got to really just um, take a step back at times and breathe and, and really think and consider what you're doing. I don't, I also don't think coaches reflect enough. They'll just go on to plan in the next session and what worked, you know, are this, you know, we, we didn't score enough goals. We didn't shoot, but did you actually reflect on yourself as a coach and what you were saying, how much you spoke? Did you speak enough? How long did you speak? Um, so yeah, you, you got to be self-critical, but you also got to understand that we're always learning. And finally, when drawing on your experience, what's the one top bit of advice you'd give to a grassroots coach? Um, try to understand children as best you can. Um, a, a lot of grassroots coaches, a high percentage are parents, mums or dads or guardians of children. So, and I, I look at it as a sense of you teach your children how to speak. You teach your children how to walk, to eat, you know, all of this as they're growing up, um, which is the most complex things you can ever do in your life. You're teaching somebody that cannot speak to speak. Um, so just understanding the child and, and who they are, and they are all different and they have different characteristics, but they are there to play. Um, question them, talk to them, um, ask them how they're feeling, what they want, what they enjoy. Um, and I think the best coaches do that and not just have their session plan, right, children, we're going to do this next, right, we're going to play this next. Actually take interest in their learning and take interest in them. Um, those um, tie in the shoelace moments, you know, you've got to be an expert at tying shoelaces at grassroots level, but as you're tying the shoelaces, that's a great opportunity to build a connection with a child and, and ask them, oh, I think you're doing really well with this or how are you finding this game? Is it okay? And, you know, little, little subtleties like that can go a long way, but yeah, it's, you can know everything about the game, but if you don't understand young children um, and their learning and the process that that happens, then it's just wasted. It's just wasted. Um, and, and you're a facilitator of learning. I find you're not a coach at grassroots level. You're a facilitator of learning. Um, and, we say, is the game the teacher? Um, maybe that's the best thing for grassroots coaches is let the game be the teacher because grassroots coaches don't have an abundance of knowledge. They're new to coaching. The players are new to playing. So, you know, playing the, the game lots and lots and lots will help. Um, but yeah, building connection um, with, with children is the biggest thing I would say. That was the voice of Wayne Cleverly of Canada Soccer and Alberta Soccer. Thanks to Wayne for his time and his brilliant insight. And thanks to you for listening to the Soccer Coach Weekly podcast. For more from us, join us again next week or visit www.soccercoachweekly.net for practice plans, advice, interviews and much more. I'm Steph Fairbairn. See you again soon.